paddled the whole race or, or, you, or you do the relay, you get a, a real sense of it. And I think actually the advantage of doing a relay is you're, you're actually in the boat. You can observe what's going on in the race and see other people paddling and you can see a lot more. Whereas when you're racing, you're just heads down and you're, you know, you're, you're grinding it out sort of thing. That's Sam Hart sharing his perspective on racing the surf ski between the islands of Molokai and Oahu. One of his many stories today on this Ocean Life podcast with me, Josh Peterson. Sam Hart is a man of the paddle with deep experience in surf ski racing, including a relay win at Molokai to Oahu in 2017. He rounds out his paddling with both the prone and SUP boards. Along the Sydney Gold Coast, Sam has been involved in the surf rescue club lifestyle for many years, contributing as an active volunteer and strong team competitor in local events, including the famous Kulangata Gold, where Sam ran, swam, ski paddled, and board paddled his way to back-to-back individual wins in 2012 and 2013. With a strong focus on outdoor lifestyle and raising his kids in the water, Sam shares with us a humble perspective on his ocean life around Sydney, his love for paddling. I caught up with Sam in late March of 2020 in the middle of the COVID pandemic craziness. Saturday morning, your time out there near Sydney, and uh, even with all this crazy coronavirus craziness happening, you got out for a paddle with your your boys this morning, man. So how's that? How refreshing is that? Yeah, yeah, it's essential um, for us, really. <laughs> Where we, yeah, it, it's non-negotiable, really. Um, some of the beaches in Sydney are being closed at the moment. The big touristy beaches like Bondi and um, we, we typically paddle off smaller, lesser known beaches anyway. So um, for us, we've got a group of about 10 people. I think this morning we had five. It's a pretty small crew and um, yeah, we just want to do it, do it for mental health reasons and getting out there and um, just a beautiful morning this morning. Lots of sups sort of in where, where we paddle at Long Reef, um, you know, surf skis, sups, this sort of stuff. So yeah, great morning. Oh, it's nice. And so like, how, how would you say like the, I don't know, how many people are out of the folks who are like kind of paddlers, whether it's SUP or, or prone, like, are there still quite a few people in the water getting out even with the beach closures? Yeah. So this morning we had, a, there's five of us. Um, I saw a sub club that I'm part of as well. They would have had about 20 guys out when a couple of foils um, going on, on this reef. Um, hmm. Then I saw a bunch of surf skis there would have been sort of at least 15 20 surf skis a couple of different clubs and different people all jumping in it's a popular place to to jump in from because it's got a a flat water section faces due north it doesn't really get any waves in there so people launch boats as well as you know surf craft and stuff like that so so yeah it's a good spot yeah yeah it's fun to hear like in santa cruz people are you know jonesing we're in lockdown like you guys you know are the shelter in place thing and um it's funny, like people will go out and there's this, the six foot distance thing. Do you guys have that too? Or it's, you got to maintain that six foot safety zone. Yeah. I think, I think we've got, we're, we're a meter and a half. So yeah. So, <laughs> That's so, right. yeah, so roughly, roughly the same. And, and, you know, so yeah. we're, we're, we're touching feet, that sort of thing, instead of shaking hands, um, you know, all trying to be conscious of, of staying away from each other sort of thing. We hit boards at one point on a wave together, a friend of mine and I, and, um, <laughs> you know, he said something about Corona mid, Mid, midway but, but, oh uh, man i know it's funny it's funny but i agree with you man gotta get in the water and stay sane now for you like you mentioned you know you guys are you're out with your kind of saturday morning prone group but um you grew up in 
out in that area near Sydney and just this really rich history in the water, which we're going to dive into today. But um, for you, like prone is relatively not new, but it's something you've really kind of struck you and really gotten serious about the last, what, couple of years or something? Not even. Um, as, you, as I mentioned pre-podcast, I was in, spent a lot of time in Korea last year with, with the family um, in an apartment or in a hotel. And I got back to Sydney and I just wanted to get back in the ocean. And I've been having a few hip problems in, in the last 12 months. Um, so sitting in a surf ski sort of isn't really, um, isn't really working for me or any sort of sitting down for any great length of period. And so I just, I used to do a bit of board paddling through the surf clubs and that sort of thing. So I jumped in with some friends who were doing more endurance. They did Molokai last year um, here in Sydney, from training from here in Sydney. And um, yeah, just got bitten by the bug. I, I tried a bark, 12 foot pro, a stock board, and um, I just fell in love with it. It, it, was, it just so many times more comfortable than my standard clubby 10 foot six board. Um, <laughs> yeah. And just that, that, that padding, um, and just the, just the shape and catching runs and that sort of thing. It, it just, um, yeah, I just love it. And it, it's, it's quite weird cause I come from a surf ski background and a lot of my friends, I'm sure they're looking and going, what on earth is he doing on that prone board sort of thing? <laughs> I don't think they quite get it, but, um, it's just, it's so good. Oh, it's super good. So is there... Is there much kind of cross training between the ski and like the prone board or even like the SUP as well between those three where you got where you are? They're quite distinct groups. So mm-hmm. I think if you could say generally, um, you know, people might come up through the surf club um, scene and, uh, you know, so they'll do a lot of, we'll do a lot of board stuff with the kids, boards and swimming in that sort of under 13 year old um, age group. Um, mm-hmm. And then they'll, you know, 14, 15, 16, that sort of age group, they'll start to move into skis. And generally, I could say a lot of, you know, from 16 onwards, they don't ever want to go back to a prone board again. They've done so much um, <laughs> yeah. when they're young that they just, they've just lost interest. Um, so that's sort of how, how, um, how, how I see it. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So do you think some of your friends will follow suit? So as we all get older in our mid-40s-ish, not to date you or I, but I think we're probably very much the same age, the hips start to go or certain things, body parts that are ailing you a little bit that make you go, geez, I might need to change up what I'm doing, like lay down on my prone board versus sit on a ski or even stand up in SUP. I mean, so do you think some of your, your guys will follow suit now that you're you're the, 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 uh, the guy on the prone board? Look, possibly. A, a lot of people that I surf ski paddle with have got a strong board background like they've got that um years of experience um so yeah i think for me once i tried the 12 foot board it just ran so much nicer than the shorter boards um and the and the tail as well just having that nice pin tail with a lot of volume it just runs so much different than the 10 foot six so when i go back to a 10 foot six i just don't really enjoy it very much at all frankly um totally you know so i try try and minimize the 10 foot six stuff now (laughs) um you know, but uh, yeah, look, I think people, once they get a chance to get on this, the 12 foot or longer boards, um, you know, I think, uh, I, I see the sport growing in, in, in Australia. It, it is quite, it's very niche. Um, I can see, mm. looks like to me in California and Hawaii, there's a bit more prone going on here. It's still very niche. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people who have got backgrounds that would be very suitable. Um, so uh, yeah, I hope it grows. But frankly, um, we've got a, 
a WhatsApp group with about 15 people. It's fairly small, but it's just nice. a gr- great vibe. Um, good bunch of guys and, and um, you know, sort of we're, we're happy. We, we get out every weekend and, and a couple of times midweek as well. We don't need 40 or 50 people to, to come yeah. out with us. As long as we've got, you know, you want, I think you want a minimum of five. Once you get the twos and threes, it starts to get a bit sort of soulless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so ideally we get sort of on a Saturday morning, you know, eight, nine, that sort of number. And um, yeah, it's a good crew. Cool. And we just have a great time. And, you know, we try and do a good two hours every Saturday morning, hour and a half, two nice. hours. Yeah, um, that's awesome, man. Yep. And so now you, with this pretty rich background of competition in the water, and we'll talk about this deeply in a little bit, but uh, now that you're on the prone board and you got a crew, you know, and you're also in this area of like, there's a lot of like legends from the sport of prone paddling who have came over and crushed Molokai Tuahu and crushed other races around the world. I mean, I, do you see yourself maybe getting out and doing a little competition on the prone board at some point? Yeah, look, the only thing that's lacking here is the the – opportunity to race we've got um there's lots of surf ski races like there's a very strong dean garden that lives around the corner he's got a you know very Mm. well set up um a bunch of uh you know a bunch of races uh across the year 12 months a year there's there's just constant racing um you can see in the sup side which i've also just bought us up recently uh, in january um there's lots of racing there there's a race every yeah. sunday there's there's bigger races smaller races that's all happening but prone's very much forgotten here and um i'm trying to get some organization organizers to add a pro commo- component um to their races but yeah there's just not enough around the around the clock and that's sort of you know as we move into winter now it's just a bit demotivating if there's nothing on the agenda <laughs> it's like so what are we doing again <laughs> so yeah, and, I overnight, know, I know. and overnight i heard that uh, molokai Tuaho has just been cancelled and they're talking about doing a 20 mile race on that day on in late july i've heard uh globally. Oh, no way um so we're trying about that yeah, so we're talking about trying to, uh, on that same day, trying to run our own 20-mile race here in Sydney. Um, That's cool. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly be reaching out to everyone we know um, in Australia anyway, but trying to get people to come and do like an unofficial 20-mile race with this sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's such a bummer. I mean, uh, it's like I know a few people who – and I just – listening to you tell me about the cancellation of M2, well, that's news to me. Um, and so I know I, I'm interested to hear – I have a couple of people I know who, as you know, you've been there. The, the, the logistical challenge of just getting set up and, like, getting it all together, then to have it pulled out from under you. I mean, there's a lot of challenges with this whole virus thing, of course. But, I mean, what a bummer for folks who are, you know, getting everything handled from their boat support to their board shipping to their place to stay and da-da-da-da-da-da. And now they're just like, oh, well, maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. Look, at least they've Bummer. called it early. Um, yeah. You know, imagine yeah. they called it sort of early July and they'd done all the training. So at least I think at this point, you probably hadn't necessarily booked accommodation flights, all of that extra yeah, stuff. That's right. That's so right. it's yeah. probably the right thing to do. And um, Definitely. a couple of the guys I paddle with, they were planning to go over this year and they, they're quite upset, but I think they'll get over it. And we're going to try yeah. and do a race on the same day and, and give ourselves nice. something to work towards yeah. over winter. Yeah. So yeah, and, and you've been to Molokai Tuahu, you've seen that water, um, but you've been at it and, you know, in a different event than what, you know, mom I'm always blabbing about, which is, you know, the SCP and the prone and now it's foil, but you've been there across on the surf ski. And in 2017, uh, you won the event. So talk about, you know, that event and that water and what, how that went for you that year. Sure. Yeah. So I back in 2017, I was part of a, a crew of paddlers um, here in Sydney. Um, 
you know, we're all training for, to go across and do the event solo um, on the ski. And, and a lot of guys I was training with had been multiple times. Um, and it got to, I think, April, and I'd done a lot of traveling for work into China. And so I, I really wasn't feeling I was going to be able to do the whole race by myself. So I talked to Dean Gardner, who was teeing up a big crew of people to go over. And, and um, I said, look, can you find me someone who can do um, can do a tandem, a relay? Because uh, I don't think I'm really up for the, for the individual. And he came back to me a couple of days later and said, oh, look, I've got a guy. I've got Guy Leach looking for a partner. And so I jumped at that opportunity, um, given a guy's sort of pedigree. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we um, we did a couple of training sessions prior, but you know, um, we the the big problem for us was he's got quite a lot longer legs than I have, oh. and um, we had planned, I think, going in the week or two out, we'd planned to use uh, an epic. Um, and then once we got over to, to, we're hanging out at Waikiki out of the Outrigger club there and doing some paddles and stuff. And he sort of said the night before the race, oh, the Epic's given me, um, you know, it's wearing down my tailbone. So we've got to use a fen. And, um, you know, I hadn't been in a fen for a couple of years at that point, but, um, that was cool. So in the end, um, yeah, we, we had a fen, we marked out our leg lengths sort of the night before, um, and, we sort of, I guess the plan in mid-race was that we would just switch um, leg lengths, uh, you know, sort of thing. And uh, frankly, I, I thought this is going to go very badly. We're going to be in the middle of the channel. It's going to be bumpy and messy. <laughs> and we're going to be, And sometimes with those Fen foot plates, it can take you two minutes to get them moved when you're, oh, on, wow. dry, on, your dry, when you're on dry land. I thought it's going to take me 10 minutes out there sort of thing. Um, but for some reason, it went very smoothly. I did all the changes. We only did three changes and um, and it went very smoothly. It was like clockwork. It just popped exactly how it should and it was all good. <laughs> wow. So, but um, look, fantastic experience. I, I guess for me, I, I was a little worried doing a relay that you'd sort of be a little bit ostracized, a little bit laughed at because, you know, it's um, like some of those events where like a multi-sport event where someone turns up and does a swim and the other person does a run. It's like, you know, that's not really the point of the event. The event's really to do the whole thing. Um, I thought you might be a little bit teased, but I guess <laughs> um, I didn't feel that at all. I thought it was people were very much um, like you're still part of the event if you're doing a relay. Um I saw even just the local Hawaiians, they use that to blood sort of the younger kids. Um, they might do a four-man relay and, and just use that um, opportunity to get the experience in the channel. So um, yeah. it turned out to be an awesome day. We weren't really focused on winning or doing whatever. We just uh, having a great time and we paddled as hard as we could. And uh, frankly, I wouldn't have, we didn't even know where we were in the race anyway. Um, you know, we're just doing our own thing. And as it turns out, we came first in the relay division, two-man relay. But, but you know, it was just an awesome day, awesome experience. Um, and, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go back. I'm not sure I'll do a ski individual. I, I would probably see myself at this point going and doing a prone um, – Nice. Another nice. – a prone relay, I think, is likely. I don't really – I don't think I've got 52 – kilometers of line of prone paddling in me necessarily but i could i could do the do half of that and and so just the experience i had with the ski i think i'd, I'd like to do that again yeah that's cool so you guys you said you changed three times to the course yeah i think our strategy originally was to do something like we did about 10 miles each 
Um, and, or, you know, nine or 10 miles each. And then we shortened it up and did another, you know, actually I'm still thinking kilometers. I think we did two 14 kilometers efforts, one mm-hmm. each guy started. And then, um, then he did a 12 kilometers and then I did a 12. So I finished, he started the race. I finished the race sort of thing. Got so, it. um, and what was your time? Like what, how much, how fast is that? Um, I think we did four hours ten from memory. Um, yeah. The winners, the the uh, like the the front end, front end of the field, like Corey Hill or whoever won that year, would have done like a three forty, I think. So they were like thirty minutes ahead, which is pretty amazing, you know. Yeah, given that is. you're, you know, in between times, you're in a boat you know, in shade with an ice pack on your neck, um, drinking, <laughs> drinking cold Gatorade or something that, you know, you're, you're, and you're stretching and you're, and you're ready to get back in and go crazy. And yet they're just sweltering it out in the heat and the humidity. So, uh, you know, it's quite amazing to see that really. Um, anyone, is. anyone, like anyone who can beat you individually, <laughs> you're, you're thinking that's pretty impressive. Oh man, I know it really is. So what was the water like for you guys? Uh, how would you kind of describe it? Um, always changing. Um, and that was just one of the beautiful things by being out there and, and, um, you know, whether you paddled the whole race or, or you, or you do the relay, you get a a real sense of it. And I think actually the advantage of doing a relay is you, you're actually in the boat, you can observe what's going on in the race and see other people paddling and you can see a lot more. Whereas when you're racing, you just heads down and you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're grinding it out sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the water changed every few miles. You know, we sort of started into a slight, you know, very flat, slight little headwind. And then sort of a couple of miles into the race, suddenly the bump started and you're getting waves over your right shoulder. Um, and then sort of halfway through the race, you're getting waves both ways. You're getting stuff over your left shoulder as well as your right. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just changed. It just kept changing. And um, yeah fantastic fantastic memory and certainly something that i want to do again yeah no for sure and it's a really interesting perspective like when you see the water in a few different ways and i've been fortunate enough to do it and to your point too which is one way is you just kind of you're on a boat the whole time and all you're doing is observing like if you're taking your boat across just to get to the island of molokai to start you could see the whole water start to finish the other is you're jumping in and out of the water because you're paddling for a bit. You're on the boat for a bit, like in a relay. And the third is, as you said, like you're just in it. You're not really seeing anything other than just what's right in front of you and you're going. And it's a really interesting kind of um, contrast to be able to, to get in it, feel it, see it just right in front of you, but then also then take a moment like you did and then look out ahead. You, yeah. can, you know, it's really interesting to see the wind lines and just sort of the refraction coming your way versus when you're just heads down, you're just dealing with it when it hits you. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, so good. So good. So yeah, I'm not sure, sure when I'll get back over, but um, maybe next year. I mean, I, I thought this year was a, a slight chance, but with Corona, it's, it's obviously yeah. now canceled, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But nice, but- man. Well, you should do it and get it on your calendar. And then uh, that'll, get, that'll be your motivation to get you through all the prone paddling this winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just bought a, a SUP in January. So I, I'm i thinking to myself, maybe I'll do a bit of both across winter. I'll, I might get onto the SUP as well and just stay a bit warmer and drier. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. That's not a bad way to go. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. So talking about like competition stuff, so you went over, you did this, uh, I mean, legendary event. Uh, but your life kind of just back in the, in the beaches around Sydney, you've been at it for a long time and, and you've had this really cool run uh, with the Kulangata Gold 
event, which is super legendary, super gnarly. Uh, I mean, I wish we had something like that here in California. We kind of do, but not really. So talk about that. I mean, what, what is that event? And I think it was what, 2012 and 13. This is something that you were kind of like the guy on in your age group. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't go that far. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's a fantastic race. It's um, set up in the Gold Coast, about an hour's flight north of Sydney. Um, beautiful stretch of waterway, um, and a race that's been around for a long time. And and yeah, it's it's sort of it's it's a really difficult race. It's typically um, and the race has changed a couple of times. They're now setting it and basing it in Coolangatta. Um, it used to start and finish in Surfers Paradise, um, which is, you know, 25 kilometres north of mm-hmm. Coolangatta. But uh, essentially it starts with like a 23k ski paddle uh, in the ocean. Um, yeah, then into a couple of kilometre run over a headland, um, a three and a half kilometre swim. Uh, I think it's a 6.1 kilometer board paddle, prone board paddle, um, and then into a final run, which is, it, it depends on the year. It's changed again a few times, but it's about eight kilometers. So it's a, it's a solid day out. And, um, for me, the swimming, you know, when you're, when you're fatigued from having ski paddled and then you get in and have to swim three and a half kilometers, that's, that's a challenge. <laughs> oh Yeah. So, so I think my second race, uh, I was running after the ski leg and I saw a guy in front of me running and he was stretching his bicep uh, as he was running. And I thought, oh, that looks like a good idea. Let me let me copy him. And next thing I started cramping, you know, I was getting forearm, <laughs> forearm cramps, bicep cramps, you know, as I'm running and I know I've got a three and a half K swim to come. So oh, um, it's it's a, it's a pretty tough event. Um, and uh, I did it a couple of years as the ski paddler in a team um team of four and then i you know that was always my goal to go and do it individually so as you said i did 2012 and 13 um and they run the age groups sort of there i think over 35 or over 40 or something like that so they have a separate start than the elite um guys so but um yeah yeah it's, it's it's an awesome event it's still going they've got a shorter version of it as well to draw people in um yeah um, I think it's sort of maybe two thirds or a bit less than two thirds of the distance so that it's a bit more achievable for your weekend person. Cause the, the full right. course really is, is, is pretty brutal. Um, it's technical, it's in the ocean. So the guys that win it are, are pretty awesome athletes. Oh man, I bet. I'm even, I'm sure. Yeah. There's the elite category, like you said, but I'm guessing the guys that you, you yourself and the others were still, I would consider probably right there as well i mean you guys there's such a strong water culture and across uh training aspect of all the different activities you're up to out there so this race is surf ski running swimming prone paddling so to be able to compete at a, at a high level you got to be able to do all those things really well so how, what was your like training approach i mean did you have a full structured regiment where today was surf ski day in the morning and then running in the evening or how did you work up to that yeah, look, so we had a, um, we had uh, the surf club I was in at the time, which is Narrabeen, um, well, uh, had a guy called Kane Eckstein come down and present and he has won the race multiple times. He's a freakishly mm. good athlete and he presented to us one night and told us all about his strategy of, and, and how he was able to win. And so we stupidly just thought that uh, we would copy his program and, and try and, um, 
you know, he was, I guess, 25 years old, a lead athlete in the peak of his career. <laughs> We're in our, <laughs> our early 40s. Yeah. Um, you know, so he had a 20-week program and, um, you know, he, 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 he had a pretty, pretty arduous 20 weeks of training. Wow. And so we tried to do that. And um, I think we realized pretty quickly or, or, or at least coming up to the, the race that we'd overdone it. And, um, you know, oh, five, okay. probably five weeks before the race, we were ready to race. We were sick of the training and, um, yeah. you know, starting to lose motivation. But, um, yeah, so essentially our week was sort of um, probably, three, well, two ski paddles midweek, um, two, two long swims um, on alternate days. Um, I did a bit of cycling. I didn't do a lot of running. Um, I've got a, a, a knee that doesn't let me do a great deal of running these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on a Saturday morning, we'd put it all together. So we'd do everything. We'd do a, a, essentially the same course, the same format. We'd start with a ski. We'd do, wouldn't necessarily do the run legs, but we would do the ski into swim into board um, routine. And we just build that out every minute. We'd add 10 or 15 minutes to the total time. Um, just like a, a triathlete might do a brick type session on, on a weekend sort of thing. And, yeah. um, so as we got closer and closer to the race day, we would sort of have that up towards four hours, um, or, you know, three and a half hours, three hours, 40, that sort of thing, probably two weeks out from the event. So it was all, I'm a spreadsheeter. I like to sort of plan and, and, and sort of have that all sort of mapped out. And, and, um, as I said, probably the biggest mistake was doing too much, too, too many weeks of training yeah. for it. It, 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 it do, didn't probably warrant that. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, um, being a surf ski guy, you know, I mean, what was your, was that your, your area of strength in that amongst all those disciplines was the ski? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I was, the ski was my strongest leg. The, um, the swimming was, uh, pretty appalling, frankly, <laughs> <laughs> had guys sort of come, come flying past me sort of in, in, in the swim legs. And, and, um, one of my good mates, I sat on his wash on the prone board for six kilometers. Um, and uh, I often tease him and say, "Hey, buddy, when are you gonna, you know, get off my wash?" Sort of thing when I see him. But um, you, you know, it's um, yeah, it's a fantastic, <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic event. Yeah, that's cool. So, any any uh, plans to go back and do it again? Um, not likely to do the full thing again anytime soon. It's just it's it, it literally takes so much swimming. Um, yeah. And I, after doing those two event two two um, seasons, uh, I mentally struggled to get back in a pool for until recently. Um, I was just so burnt out from from um, from from. Uh, swimming in a pool that I've sort of stopped that it's, yeah. you know, and so only recently with the, when I've started prone paddling, um, I thought, okay, I'll start to do a bit of swimming just to get that, that sort of similar sort of fitness back. And, um, but I, I'm doing a lot shorter. I do probably two Ks in a pool now, and that's a session, mm-hmm. whereas I used to do three and a half kilometers or four kilometers in, a, in, a, in the, in the pool. So, um, yeah, no yeah. great event, no, no great plan to go and do it again. Um, but uh, they, as I said, they do have that shorter version. Maybe I'll go and do that um, yeah. at some point. But it sort of feels a little bit like you're going backwards when you do. <laughs> I, I find that when you sort of have done the real, the main event, and then you sort of go back and do a smaller event. But who knows? It's all. But we'll see. After a quick break, Sam takes us back to his life growing up on the Sydney Gold Coast. Stay with us. 
No story ever told by a guest on This Ocean Life is as gnarly as what's happening around the world today from the COVID-19 virus. My heart goes out to people around the world suffering from the virus. And my request here goes out to all the rest of us to contribute in any way we can, whether it's being a bit more patient and lying at the gas pump or donating a few bucks to help purchase lacking medical supplies in your area. We can all help out. So take a minute and Google up something that you can do to help, then do it. Best of health to us all. Now let's get back to Sam. Everything. Um, so I've tried to help my son and, and certainly encourage him. He's very passionate about fishing. Um, nice. And he's, he's heavily into it. He's just turned 12. He wants to get a spear gun and a, and a, and a camouflage wetsuit. And he, he would literally go by himself in the ocean if I let him. But he's just a bit, <laughs> a bit too young. But he's the guy that's heavily into that and, and sort of, I'm just um, I'm working so I can afford to buy him bait every week, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've spent thousands on bait, and I don't think I've eaten anything that he's ever caught. He, he catches a lot of stuff, but it's all undersize. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's funny. That's what it's it's always trips me out. Like what your your role as a parent becomes. You know, you're you're raising kids, you're doing all this stuff, but then you're also you're going to work so you can buy them cool stuff so they can maintain their stoke for doing this stuff in the ocean, like wetsuits and boards and fishing rods and spear guns and masks. And I mean, yeah, it's limitless, you know, and, but I yep. mean, it's one of those things where I'm down to buy my, my kids, the stuff they need that I think they need to maintain that strong connection with the ocean versus not having that stuff, like a wetsuit that doesn't have a hole in the ass or something. And they kind of get burnt down because the water's cold. They don't want to go anymore, you know? So, yeah. So yeah. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And Max, um, at the moment, he's, um, he's got a friend around the corner who they've got a bunch of kayaks. And so they actually go out oh, in, cool. we've got a lake system near us as well. And so he paddles out and he can go and pick and choose where he wants to sit and, and be where the fish are and not just be limited to being on the bank or on the yeah. side of, you know, you can go out into the, into the nice. water. So, so he's loving that. He, he went last weekend for six hours, um, you know, and he wouldn't have come back until we've sort of forced him <laughs> to sort of thing. So, you know, he, yeah, he's loving it. And, and yeah, we're encouraging anything where they're out and about and not just sitting behind a screen sort of thing. Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent, man. That's the key. <laughs> <laughs> so then how about your own like life growing up out there and, you know, early influences in the ocean, how you got introduced, you know, and going up through into surf life saving clubs and everything. Yeah. Interesting. I, so I grew up, uh, not really on, in the ocean. Um, I grew up sort of more, there's a, there's a water system called pit water. It's about an hour North of Sydney. Uh, again, on the same northern beaches where I live, and uh, I did a lot of sailing and swimming. Um, didn't really have a connection with surfing or the or waves or anything like that. I did love, um, you know, the water and uh, being in it, and, and you know, windsurfing. I did a lot of lot of windsurfing, windsurfing instruction, um, and and sailing, and. Then in my early 20s, I was more interested in cycling. I got heavily into cycling and I was racing and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, I spent a couple of years in the UK sort of just living in a you know clogged up city, um, nothing, no real outlet apart from just having a few beers. And, and uh, when I got back to Australia, I, I was like, you know, one thing I need to do is get in the ocean. And um, so I started you know, started just doing some basic surf ski paddling and um, then next thing, next thing I sort of found myself racing and uh, I've never looked back. And I know that over the next, you know, X number of years, I'm going to be doing stuff in the ocean every week, um, bar none. So yep. it's, um, 
it wasn't a traditional Australian sort of mm-hmm. upbringing. A lot of kids yeah. will start either doing the nipper stuff or they'll have a parent who's, you know, heavily into the ocean who just teaches them to surf and, and all of that sort of stuff. So um, I haven't had that traditional upbringing, but, um, you know, I don't think it doesn't really matter as long as you love the water. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It could, it could come at any time. And actually some of the stories I've had on the podcast, some of my favorites have been people who found the ocean, like they didn't even really ever had any interaction with it until like their mid to late twenties or something. And all of a sudden it was like a, a single scuba dive the first time in. And then it just all made sense. You know, I just love when it, it hit people different times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I did a lot of cross country skiing when I was in my late teens as well, even though Australia, you wouldn't think of having too much snow, oh, wow. which, which yeah. it doesn't, but, um, I did a lot of that. And, and, and so we did, I did a lot of racing and we would sort of go out with a young instructor and just, you know, 10 kids and we would just head out and find like a, a bowl and just play around. And, um, you had that sense of freedom that maybe, I don't know, you necessarily get that in a resort where you've got lots of, you know, lots and lots of skiers. Um, and I love that as a kid and, and did a lot of cycling and, and mountain bike riding and that sort of thing. And, and so I get that same sense when you go out for a paddle in a group with us you know, on the surf ski or on a prone or a sup, you've got that same sort of sense of adventure. You're out there, but, um, yeah, it's just so much, so much nicer to be on the water. You know, yeah, <laughs> it is. I sort it of look is. at, I look back at when I used to cycle and think, you know, I used to go and share a road with lots of angry motorists and, <laughs> you know, the fumes and all of that sort of stuff, and it just doesn't make any sense. Whereas being in the, on the water, it's just, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, so true, so true. And then you've also been active. I know today or around today that with the Queens Cliff Surf Lifesaving Club. Um, how did you get involved there, and what, what are you doing now with that? Yeah, so I I, I spent about ten years with um, Narrabeen Surf Surf Lifesaving Club, and they were a great club, um, a bit smaller sort of club. Um, and we found as people hit their early forties, it started to fall apart a little bit where people sort of started splitting and leaving Sydney or, or just pulling back a bit and being less involved. Queenscliff's one of the bigger clubs in Sydney where, you know, one of the biggest and it, and it has got a huge number of, um, people of all ages and particularly in the masters, like over forties, they've got a very structured program. They'll have a couple of mornings a week. Someone will go and pick up the ski trailer and take it to a particular place on the, on the Harbor where we'll train from. So it's just very highly organized, which is what I like. Um, so you can turn yeah. up midwinter five, five o'clock in the morning and have 22 people turn up. Um, you know, it's horrible conditions, but you know, they're going to be there and the trailer's there. It's just super organized. Um, and you know, so I find that easy when there's 20 people turn up to a session, it's, you don't think about it. You just turn up and you have a good time, you know, you get it done. Yeah. Yep. Whereas you try and do the same session by yourself and it's just a bit of a waste of time. So, um, look, it's a great club. They've got a long history in, in surf life saving, lots of good athletes sort of come out of there. Um, at the Masters, it's sort of not overly serious. You sort of will train and, and it's, a, it's very social, but it's um, we had our state championships probably two or three weeks ago, um, you know, and, and our, the Aussies this year in April have just been cancelled. So oh. they're not going ahead. So our season's finished and it's not a really, at a Masters level, it's not a particularly long season anyway. It's only a handful of carnivals now, um, all short stuff, all, you know, around cans type racing. 
um, probably similar to what you've got in the States. Um, mm -hmm. pre predominantly at, at, at our age group is, is really ski um, racing. So you might have doubles and, and singles and relays and that sort of stuff. Um, and then I've always liked the Ironman. So you do it like a swim leg, a board leg and a ski leg. Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, look, it's a, it's, it's a really cool club and, 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 um, you know, good facilities. We can leave our boards there, leave, leave your ski there. Um, it's got a gym, which is currently closed because of nice. Corona. Yep. <laughs> but, like um, everything else. <laughs> yeah. But so that's a great setup and you, you've just got to do X number of hours a year patrolling to, to stay an active member. So you feel like you, you are giving back to the community. You're not just taking and, and just using that location and the, um, you know, the yeah. opportunity to train. So yeah, it's a really cool setup. Nice. And then, so do they have like a nippers program too? They do. And, and all clubs do. Um, yeah. and it, it's quite, it's one, again, one of the bigger clubs around here. Um, so yeah, look, I haven't been terribly involved in that. My son, did nippers at another club. He did it at mm -hmm. a club called Collaroy, which is closer to where I live. Um, and he did a bunch of years in that and then sort of it. It, it ran its course a little bit and he yep. was quite a good little paddler, but it does get a little repetitive. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they hit that sort of 11, 12 years and they've done four or five seasons. And, and he was like, okay, dad, I just want to surf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, done, I've been around the three, these three cans so many times. Um, you know, the, the novelty's sort of worn off a little bit, um, which is a pity because, you know, you, as I said, I'm super passionate about prone paddling and, and, um, there's so many kids out there, which are great little paddlers, but they sort of at about 12, they may never prone paddle again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's fun. It's an interesting age. I mean, I can speak to that with my kids have just gone through that. They're 14 and, and my son's 17, but I see a lot of the friends we know who they hit that 12, 13 age and either they, they either love nippers, they love all of it and they're just frothing and they want to stand or they don't. There's yeah. really not much middle area. Some will no. stand just to hang out and be social or they're like, I don't want to go surf or, or now they've, they've found other, other sports they want to do instead. You know, it's interesting, yeah. but, uh, yeah. but they, look they need to have the opportunity. Yeah, but that look, that said, it is a great platform, um, and I always believed, like I, with my son Max, I, I got him on a, a little pro nipper board at five, and got him in the lake, and we did yeah. a bunch of stuff when he was super young, um, and he's a good little surfer, but a lot of his skills um, were born out of just hours on that nipper board, catching waves yeah. and yeah. learning how to roll, and all those basic skills. His swimming, frankly, is not that good, um, but yeah. he's with a board under him. He's you know, in any surf, he's really going to be good. quite he's very safe yeah 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 no and you sent some pictures and i was checking him out he just looks like he rips too and i'm i'm looking forward to have him on the stoked grom stories here uh pretty soon and get his perspective on uh everything as well sure sure and i'm sure he's <laughs> he's keen to get on and, and chat <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool so let me switch topics kind of just random questions from somebody who's never been to sydney and just with the craziness of the world today like give me your perspective on like after all the fires you guys have been through and now here we are as we speak like it's what is it march i'm gonna check march 27th like we are mid coronavirus you know world lockdown what's how what's like the how's things in sydney you guys are it's been a kind of a crazy few months you know for you out there the fires and now this other stuff yeah look sydney escaped the fires a little bit in the sense that we you know being very suburban we didn't really 
weren't directly impacted. There was a bit of smoke, um, which was inconvenient, but I think people impacted were more sort of in regional areas, south of Sydney, particularly yeah. um, inland. And so there was other areas really impacted severely, particularly areas that were doing a lot of tourism and mm. reliant on tourism. So I wouldn't say we were directly impacted more indirectly um but sir and and frankly now with corona you sort of that's almost been forgotten um for us because this is such a a a big deal you know and so it's um yeah pretty frightening uh i guess where we are at the moment so fingers crossed um it settles down quickly oh geez no kidding and you guys as we mentioned before we started talking today you're you guys are like on the shelter in place but the schools are not totally closed yet not yet. Um, yeah. it, I mean, I think the, the attendance is pretty low. It's like 10% or something like that. So I think they're oh, wow. trying to remain open um, for just the uh, just people whose parents are, you know, are, 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 you know doctors, uh, nurses, yeah. the, the police, right. et cetera, all the essential services. Um, but I suspect this weekend we're going to get an announcement where they're going to lock things down and close everything. So um, yeah. I think it's sort of full bore. Uh, full-blown by this weekend yeah man yeah i think yeah it's for sure and then you so you're still getting out to go get in the water and everything but you're mentioning like bondi's closed and like the the major beaches are all closed so you, you're but there's plenty of other spots for you to go and maybe get the kids in the water and get get some fresh air and everything yeah um look we haven't got any direction that you can't go out and have a paddle sort of thing and yeah. um i, I even can't imagine that they'll do that because we're not really paddling in big groups um so look we'll watch and see what they say what the government says over the next week or two but i suspect it's going to be difficult for them to stop a handful of people going out for a paddle three times a week sort of thing so (laughs) uh, you know um we we want to do the right thing and, and stay confined and not be passing on the virus but um yeah i think we're going to be good to do that hopefully yep yeah, good man, good deal. Well, best luck to you guys and to everybody <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's just crazy, crazy man. But uh, but Sam, I've really enjoyed just catching up with you and chatting. And uh, next time you're in the Bay Area, man, uh, we'll hopefully try. To, I know he's probably here for work and you're crazy busy, but. Uh, definitely got some boards and some freezing cold water that's uh very welcoming for you <laughs> awesome yeah well thanks again uh, josh great opportunity and i love the podcast god oh, thank you so much man yeah great i'm looking forward to having max on so if everybody listening uh max is sam's son we'll get him on he's got some pretty neat stuff he's been up to as well not just in the water but on stage and everything so i'm um, i'm stoked to get him here uh pretty soon as well Hey everybody, thanks for listening to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. If you like what you heard, would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with people you know who might enjoy the stories that we hear and the guests we have on. And of course, even better, reduce plastic, do something good for the ocean and for each other. Thanks again. We'll catch you on the next episode.